Financial Grown-Up Guide, Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money with guest co-host, CBS business analyst and author, Jill Schlesinger. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. We got this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new Financial Grown-Up Guide. We are talking dumb things smart people do with their money with the woman who literally wrote the book on it, CBS business analyst, Jill Schlesinger. Hey, Jill. I'm so proud of you for pronouncing my name. Hello. Not that we haven't practiced that. But before we get into your new book, for my listeners, if you guys are looking for a classic episode where we talk to high achievers like Jill, who share their money stories and everyday money tips, those drop on Mondays and Thursdays. You can listen to about 150 of them. We've done by going to bobbyrebell.com forward slash financial grown up podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And by the way, you can check out Jill's episode as well. We will leave the direct link in the show notes. So let's get to Jill. Jill, I love this book, but it is so scary. I don't want you to be scared. Why are you scared? I'm scared because as you read this book, you have wonderful anecdotes that really make the point that you want to make. I mean, they are effective. Let me tell you, you do not mess around, but I almost feel like there should be some like horror movie music under it, like Donna, 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 (laughs) because we know it's coming. We know something bad is going to happen to somebody that made a dumb money mistake. Well, you know, there are a couple of good stories, but you know, as we know from the news business, it's hard to get your attention with good stories. I wrote the book because I literally have felt like when we look at our money and I opened the book this way, that we all have had our ocean moments, like that moment where you're like, oh my God, I've really screwed myself. That happens sometimes instantly when you're, you know, just purchase something that you wish you hadn't, or when you come to realize what you had purchased is something you really didn't think it was. That moment is the moment that a lot of people will either take one of two actions. One is they'll say, I'm just going to ignore it. It'll go away. Or they go into like high anxiety mode. It immobilizes them and they do nothing. So one of the things I really thought was important about this book was not to write a book that said, stop drinking lattes and you'll get rich because I don't believe that's true, but to write a book that says, I know you're emotional. I know that you're a human being. I know you're not hardwired to think about worst case scenarios or the long term, but if you acknowledge these pieces of who you are as a human being, you will likely be able to reach your goals and objectives more reasonably than you would have otherwise been able to do. And also avoid disastrous consequences from bad decisions. And you have 13 main ideas, 13 chapters here that go through different things. We're going to go through just three that sort of hit home with me the most. And the first one I want to talk about is taking advice from the wrong people. Because we get references from friends. And a lot of times we feel like, well, if they're working well for our friend, sure, we trust them. And, and there goes, you know, a Bernie Madoff kind of person. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's like the extreme horrible thing. You're absolutely right. I think that one thing that's interesting is when you think about smart people that that you know, you say to yourself, that person is really good at what he or she does. Like, wow, she is the most amazing lawyer. She is the greatest doctor. And the people who actually have those smarts, what they tend to think is that Everybody else is really smart and those professionals are to be trusted and you can work with them. 
the one caveat to that is that there are so many different kinds of people in the financial services universe that it becomes incumbent on you to actually ask a lot of questions. And the first thing that I really need people to understand is not everybody needs advice. Some people do, but some people don't. But if you do need advice, you have to understand what is this person, what's, who is this person in my life? Do they have my best interests that they must adhere to those best interests before anything else? That's called the fiduciary standard. I call it the other F-bomb. <laughs> and I want people to basically be able to say to anybody who is approaching them with a financial idea, a product, anything, and say, okay, great. Just let me ask you a question. Do you have to adhere to the fiduciary standard? Do you have to put my best interest first at all times? That's what I want to know. And if the answer is no, you're talking to a salesperson. And if the answer is yes, you're probably talking to someone who can help you really get good advice over your lifetime. Right. And and we are both CFPs. And I think it's important to point out that there's a fiduciary standard responsibility with CFPs. So that is something people can look for. I want to move on to number two, identity theft. There's a lot of scary stats in your book. So people should look uh, directly in the book for that. But I wanted to focus with you about something that I don't think gets enough attention. It's not just about your own identity. It's about protecting your family. You call them your youngins and your oldins. And that's something we don't talk about. I mean, if your parents are doing anything online, and they're probably doing a little bit, and your kids certainly are, you need to be on top of that too. Oh yeah. I mean, let's just talk about your parents for a second because this happened to my dad probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. He calls me up and he literally said, oh you're not going to believe what happened. Literally, he said that. And I said, okay, tell me. And he basically gets notified by his accountant that uh, somebody filed a tax return in my dad's name and they claimed the refund. Uh, the IRS actually called my dad's accountant, literally contacted him you know, via the mail and said, we think we have a suspicious return filed in Mr. Schlesinger's name. And the reason why they knew that is that my father has never, A, filed on time. He's always gone on extension. And B, he's never gotten a refund. So they thought that was very strange in 45 years of tax filing that that behavior had suddenly changed. What had happened is my dad had clicked on some link that he thought was asking for some important information from a brokerage account. And he gave a social security number. So oh my what gosh. is the learning here? This was already nine, eight, nine years ago. But what I learned in this experience is that, look, a lot of people are doing everything online. We have to talk to our family members, you know, about you're not going to click on an errant link. You know, why is identity theft and tax identity fraud the big target? Why is it people who are over the age of 65? Because they are not so savvy with clicking on clickbait and phishing emails. So you want to talk to them about it, but you also want to talk to your kids because your kids are giving up a ton of information online about your privacy and they are putting themselves and maybe you at risk. So we want to have these good conversations. We also want to make sure that and I see everybody right now, believe me, I see your eyes rolling to the back of your head. I get it. That you, there is a lack of patience and really it's tough to pay attention to this stuff, even though we know that this is important. It's because these are intangible threats. It's really hard for us to, our brains, our behavioral brains, our little, you know, prehistoric brains to process. And we're really good when a lion is chasing us. That's a threat. 
But an intangible threat like be careful about your identity is very hard. So I just need people to focus on it. It's a very short chapter. I made, I fought with my editor about this. I really wanted <laughs> to put it in. And he was like, oh, it's so boring. And I'm like, I promise I won't make it boring. No. I promise. Well, speaking of something that a lot of people think is boring, but you and I get very interested in this is the third thing that I want to talk about from your book is the right insurance, focusing on the changing needs because people buy insurance at one life stage, but that doesn't mean it's the right insurance as they grow up. I mean, sticking to the financial grown-up theme, we move into different phases. We get married, we have children, or we don't, or whatever, and our needs change, and people don't always take the time to stop and do an assessment. Yeah, and I look, the two chapters of this book that I think are very, very tough for people are the insurance chapter and the estate chapter, because what I'm asking you to do is just for a few minutes to contemplate the worst case scenarios. I don't want you to live in the world of the worst case scenario. I want you to contemplate it, but then understand that there are actually really efficient ways to address this. So with insurance, the reason I love it is I'm a little bit of a math head, okay? I'll admit it. And the issue around insurance is it's one of the few pure ways to transfer risk to something else, in this case, an insurance company. I pay the company to take on the risk that I die earlier than I thought I would, that I become disabled, that I need long-term care, that I am in a floodplain and the once-in-a-generation flood does come. These different types of insurance, as you say, you have to really be able to bring them into your financial planning process. It doesn't have to happen every quarter that you look at your insurance needs, but it should be part of your overall game plan. And, you know, I know that it seems like you're dwelling in the the yucky what ifs. The problem is that if you don't, you have such catastrophic disasters that are really difficult to frankly, to, to fix. I mean, homeowners, life insurance policies, all of these, I think it's every three years that you just take a look at it, make it part of your check-in. And um, you do that as well with your estate plan. I, all of these issues are the kinds that can be catastrophic to a family. It's very rare that I find a catastrophic investment decision. I really, I don't usually run across that. These are issues where it can be catastrophe. Yeah. And you have some really amazing and terrifying, as I said, examples in your book, but they illustrate how important this is. I mean, this can be the difference between having the retirement that you worked hard for and really not. Yeah. I mean, look, I start the book with a story about a client of mine who went into business for himself. And I started it with that story because he ends up getting, unfortunately, becoming diagnosed with a terrible disease. And you never expect that to happen to you. But it reminds me of a very dear friend of mine who is diagnosed with cancer. And another person was in the room and this guy says to him, hey, you know, Marty, do you ever, do you ever think to yourself, why me? He goes, no, you know what I think? Why not me? And it's true. Why not us? Yeah. We are absolutely prone to thinking the best in many cases. Just think about the worst case for this minute see if we can fix it, help you avoid these problems. And if we can get you to basically avoid these 13 real big gaping holes in your financial life, I think you're going to be better off. Yeah. And this is, like I said, this is a different book from all the personal finance books out there because these are things that are really big picture things that 
can, they're just important. If you're not paying attention to this, you're going to be in trouble. Tell us more about where people can, I mean, we know basically where people can get the book. I hate asking that question, but tell us more about where people can find out more about you and everything going on and book tours and all that good stuff. So I am at Jill on Money is my website, jillonmoney.com. And you can watch videos and read columns that I write and check out uh, my podcast, which is called Jill on Money and my radio show as well. And uh, we have all the links to your favorite booksellers right there at Jill on Money. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.